the following podcast is intended for adults age 18 and up. Hi, and thanks for downloading another episode of the Massacast. Quick announcement. Um, uh, I've decided after the 100th episode, I'll be taking a bit of a break from the podcast. Um, just, you know, this is episode 92, so, you know, there's a few, couple, you know, a couple months left. Um, I don't know how long the break will be. Could be a month, could be six months. I have no idea. Um, the reason is not has nothing to do with the podcast itself. I love doing the podcast. It's always uh, a lot of fun talking to people. And you, the listener, has been very kind and very, uh, very welcoming. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, there's a few things I'd like to do that I would, if I had more time, uh, would be very nice. You know, I've got uh, I've got my day job, and then I've got uh, freelance work that I do. And I was doing the math, and I realized if I did more freelance work. You know, I could do things like vacations instead of staycations and maybe move to a slightly nicer neighborhood. Safer. Safer. <laughs> it's not that it's scary, just that it's not as safe, you know. So, um, you know, those are things I'd like to do before I hit 40. And I have a couple years before I hit 40. And, uh, and yeah, it's just, a, it's just a life goal. So who knows? It might be, I might realize that I can't find any extra freelance work and I'll come back doing the podcast and, you know... Uh, in a month. There you go. So a few more episodes to go. Speaking of episode 100, if you have any suggestions on what to do for episode 100, um, you know the email address, don't you? Mastercast at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you. So this episode, Sinclair Sexsmith returns triumphantly. Uh, Sinclair has been on the podcast a few times and now has a new book it's called Say Please Lesbian BDSM Erotica. And uh, you, you, know, you can find the link of where you can buy it on Amazon on massacast.com. And all the links of what we're about to talk about you can find on, on the website uh, for this episode. So here it is, a conversation with my uh, good personal friend. Friend of the show, Sinclair Sexsmith. It's been like a, a, a year I think since I saw you. Yeah, I think so too. You and you and Kristen came over and we were talking about how to get a dominant to dominate. Oh yeah. I think that was the last time. That was a good conversation. That was a very good conversation. It was. I, I remember because um, we were talking about it and we didn't have a real answer to the question, but we had you know some possible solutions and stuff like that. Um, any, have you had any other thoughts on that? I'm, I know I'm just kind of throwing this at you no, right now. No, it's okay. Um, Hmm. I mean, I haven't gathered my thoughts in the last year, but I think one of the things that Chris and I have been talking a little bit more about lately is, um, is the idea of baiting a top. And, um, you know, I've, I've got another, another lover right now and, um, that's kind of new for us. So the, and sometimes I'll tell stories about him and talk about like what we do or whatever. And she'll say, I thought you didn't like brats. And I've, and I kind of paused and went, yeah, no, I, I don't really. But I think this is different. And I think there's something about the word brat that is kind of pouty child, girl child kind of thing mm-hmm. that is like, I'm going to manipulate you and get what I want. Yeah. Um, that is not what I like. <laughs> but there's something about kind of poking and baiting. And I don't know how to describe that exactly. But you know what I'm talking do you think, about, Do you think right? it has something to maybe... Um, I think I know what you're talking about. So do <laughs> yeah, you think it has something to do with someone who... Uh, and this is not... Uh, this is not my way of calling you an asshole. <laughs> Someone who usually gets their way when it comes to such things, right? Yeah, yeah. Or is not used to being poked. 
Yeah. Goading, maybe is the word I'm thinking. Goading is a good word for it. Is that it. what it is? A little bit, yeah. A little bit of goading? Yeah. Yeah, or like just once and only once. <laughs> this boy I was dating said, is that all you got? And I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, it's fucking on. <laughs> Don't ever say that to me again. <laughs> wow. Uh, they would find, if I said that to Saad, I think I, they would find my body scattered across different parts of upstate New York. <laughs> That's, wow, yeah. But obviously, I mean, he did it on purpose and, yeah, I, and he knew what he was doing. Right. And I was being timid, I think, in some ways. Because, right. you know, we're still getting to know each other. It's only been right. a few months that we've been really together. But uh, but it works. <laughs> it works. I, see, I imagine myself, I don't think I could ever say that because I've never, th- I've never thought, is that all you got? But uh-huh. at the same time, if I were to try to say it, it would sound something like, is that all you've got? You know, <laughs> um, no, he's a little punk sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, congratulations on the book, by the way. Thank you. I'm so excited about it. It's called Say Please, Lesbian, BDSM, Erotica. Yes. Now, Published by Cleus Press. I have to I have to say it because about a year or two ago, I made a, 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 I was having a conversation with a friend, and she asserted that it's wrong for straight guys to enjoy lesbian porn. She was like half joking, but also saying like, you're kind of, it's not for you. That was her thing, right? Mm-hmm. But she wasn't being serious, but she was like, hey, listen, it's not for you. You shouldn't yeah. be, you've got plenty of other stuff out there. Um, yeah. But at the same, I, I was reading and I was enjoying it for the sake of, I got lost, you know, in it. I could put myself in that person's position, yeah. right? It was, it's really really hot. How did this come about? There's are super good um, there's super good writing in there so I hope that lots of people can put themselves in it. Um, well two things let's see it um, how did it come about I'll come back to that but first this idea that like you shouldn't enjoy porn that maybe isn't for you quote unquote for you I think that um, I think that we all enjoy lots of kinds of porn and that that you know, I really enjoy a gay boy porn. That's not for me, exactly. Right. Also, lots of lesbian porn is actually for straight guys. So well, there's yeah, that. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, but also, uh, you know, we can't necessarily help what or change what turns us on. And um, I think that I am invested personally in cultivating my own desire and in kind of going into and exploring and, and getting my hands dirty with all of the ways that... Um, my body possibly responds to whatever kinds of stimulations. Yeah. I don't fucking care if yeah. it's if it's two guys or two girls or a combination or some trans folks who I'm not quite sure how they were born or how they identify or whatever. Yeah. I don't care who they are as much as I'm interested in what they're doing. Um, although sometimes I do really care who they are. I mean, that's sure. not it's not always. Sometimes I'm like, those people are just like me, and that's amazing. And, yeah. you know, so uh, so I think there are lots of ways that we can consume and and watch and interact with porn. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, I, I've i got a really strong bullshit meter when it comes to porn. So when I watch the porn that is quote-unquote lesbian porn that's made for me as a straight guy, mm. it, I don't, I'm like, this isn't... It's bullshit. It's bullshit, right? And, and, it, and it really... It makes me a little angry. Not angry, but it just feels like, oh, come on. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that stuff is bullshit for the most part. Well, and it's not necessarily about authentic desire or authentic expression or sexuality in like a, a, you know, um, 
uh, explorative way, and especially for a kinky guy, like that stuff is usually pretty gross and vanilla-ish, with like some false power weirdness that's all about roles and yeah. strange. Like that. I mean, I don't know. I don't watch a ton of it, so I, it's not like I can really speak to that super well. But some of it, and some of it, I do ha- watch. Actually, I like hetero porn a lot, partly for the extremes of the. Uh, gender in it. You sure. Know, the extreme masculinity, extreme femininity, and whatever. That's, well, it's, that's it's like when I watch, when I watch, quote unquote, authentic mm-hmm. lesbian porn, mm-hmm. um, maybe I'm being tricked, but it's almost mm-hmm. like sort of like a, I know it when I see it type of thing. Sure. And it seems to be, I don't know why I'm, I'm this crossed my mind, but it seems like if there's fisting involved for some reason, it seems like it's not that there's a good chance there's more, it's more, no, it's more authentic, right? It's like there has to be a certain level of interest or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm completely. Or maybe you just really like fisting. No, I mean I don't I don't have a thing for fisting. You know, I mean I don't have yeah. a. But when I'm, I'm trying to think like some of the stuff on Kink.com when you. Oh, I love Kink.com. Right when you have, uh, I'm trying to like Claire Adams or someone who you know mm. someone who's. They have people who who are tops who are usually not always but usually actually interested in mm-hmm. the subject matter mm-hmm. and also in the, in the women they're playing with. And that's hot because they're yeah. actually enjoying themselves. And it's totally. the same thing, I suppose the same thing is for straight porn. If I'm watching it and it's clear that it's just... For the camera and for the dollars yeah. and for the pop shot or whatever. Right. Then it's just, you know... Yeah, it yeah. doesn't turn into anything for me. I think maybe maybe that's something positive about the, the internet it, with all that porn oh, out there. Yeah. Is that... We we as porn consumers can be more discerning. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the other thing about you said lesbian BDSM erotica. That's the subtitle of the book. Is that I don't know how much this book is really lesbian. I mean, it's certainly there are many women who fuck women in this book, so there is obviously a lesbian component, and it's um, but it is very very queer, and it is there are many genders in the book aside from women identified women. Well, also when I was reading uh, excerpts, I. I DS and pain and all, that's yeah. that's the, universal. I mean, beyond gender, yeah. If you've had if you've had a really hard spanking, you you can identify with it, or if you've given one, right, you, you can yeah. identify with it. And that, that's yeah. when that's what I really liked about it too. So I didn't feel I didn't feel that my my, my super liberal guilt didn't kick in that much because I was like, oh, okay, this is you know. Um, I think that many straight men should enjoy this book, <laughs> and I hope that lots of things in it are interesting and totally turn them on. Like why? I mean, why not? Like, I, I think there's I think there's a power differentiation there, right? Like, if you're at the top of the food chain and you're consuming from the bottom, I don't know. Maybe you're doing some exploitation of some form or another. But this is some authentic, deep, you know. Um, psychological sexuality and uh, and BDSM the stuff that's been depicted in this book. So, like, how can that not be anything but a little bit of a learning experience? Well, if someone picks plus, it up? as a straight guy, <laughs> if I'm if I'm when I used to read, I, I don't read as much as I used to, but I used to read a lot of uh, erotica, yeah. femdom erotica, right? And you could always tell when it was written by a guy mm. compared to a girl because mm-hmm. it was just. I mean, you could just. You could just tell if a dominant woman wrote it, or someone who was interested in that. You could just kind of tell this is women writing for women, or you know, or writing for whoever. But it's coming from that perspective, yeah. right? And it's it's very genuine, and it's not like it's. Not, I'm trying to think. It's not written the way my massive throbbing whatever. No, you know. no. It's and you know, not all the authors identify as women. Sure. Um, not all of them 
not all the characters are women, you know, so there's definitely a range of gender, but it's, it's all, it's, they're very authentic stories. I don't, I'm sure not all of them. And I know many of them are not, um, actual depictions of a scene that happened, but many of them are, Mm -hmm. you know, and many of them come very strongly from the contributors experiences, which has been really lovely. And their desires too, probably. And desires. Yeah. When, how did, how did you get into this project? Um, well, I've been in touch with Cleus about a variety of projects over the years. I mean, I've been a contributor to their anthology since 2006, and um, and we've kind of, you know, been back and forth about like what could we do together. And finally, they said, "Hey, would you like to inter- Would you like to edit a BDSM erotica collection, lesbian BDSM erotica collection?" And what was I going to say? Yes, of course, I would love to. Yeah. I didn't. I hadn't quite gotten to the point where I was putting a whole proposal together and sending it to them and crossing my fingers. But, um, but I did as soon as they said that and they loved it and we moved forward. So, um, I, uh, I don't know if I, if that would have been the first topic that I would have proposed, I probably would have done a butch femorotica collection of some sort, but mm-hmm. two of them have just come out. So that was partly the decision too. I think that, sure. like it was, um, um, a little bit more broad and it turns out that there's actually very little lesbian bdsm erotica that's specifically lesbian B- and bdsm really out there i mean there's there's some older stuff you know the patrick califia's kind of entire canon is out there and there are lots of individual stories in lots of collections but there aren't specific bdsm collections not very not very many there are a couple but not what do you think many. that is i think it's just an under underserved market right now and that's partly why Cleus is booming and partly why sex blogs on the internet are booming and partly why this anthology is doing really well because we don't have enough depiction of what queers do in bed, especially yeah. kinky queers. Yeah. And um, and I want to see more of that. I just want to see more and more everywhere. I'm, all the times I've been doing readings and talking, like when I teach writing classes, I'm just like... You guys need to submit these stories, you yeah. know, because you don't know how bad the submissions are. <laughs> Not all of them, obviously, but of course, half yeah. of them easily. And um, <clears throat> and we need more representations of what we do because people don't understand what it is and they don't get it. Was there? A, mm. did, did you did you want to make this for everybody or for who those people who didn't know that much about BDSM or did you leave some stuff in there that was like look if they really want it they can Google it or you know what I'm saying or yeah yeah not everything is really heavily spelled out mm-hmm. there there are many stories that are more introductory um, and then there are many stories that are clearly advanced BDSM and uh, advanced power play. Um, yeah. I think it is important to have the introductory stuff in there yeah, because it, these books aren't just a, a way for someone's spank bank, but also for if you're going to introduce someone to it, you know, if there's someone out there who's, you know, hey, read this, yeah. you know, it's 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 a really important tool. Yeah, very frequently erotica is something that we learn from about not just learn what we like, but we learn a little bit of how to do it. And yeah. that's it's not necessarily the best source of how to do it. I mean, I hope that the folks who are reading those things are also going to workshops and, um, you know, safe uh, learning how to do these things kind of in safe, smart ways. Right. But um, uh, but very frequently, the folks who are writing these stories are very skilled at what they're doing also. And that can come through and that can be a teaching moment for sure. I also think for some of these identities, like being queer and like being kinky, one of the first things that you do when you realize uh, that you're that you are those things is that you go seek out the porn and you yeah. seek out the sex, you seek out the erotica, yeah. and it's um, you know the internet has helped amazingly with that, right? Of um, 
being able to uh, uh, give us a lot of access to these alternative communities that don't necessarily have a lot of depiction in mainstream culture. But um, but frequently it's still not only online, it's also like in the bookstore, in the you know back of the back of the library that queer section is always at the back you know? back in the corner <laughs> it, it, i don't know why it's that why are you... <laughs> it's a little, it's, i think it's leftover shame i don't know someday or, they need to just put it at the front maybe it's because uh it's just like at the grocery store and what they do is they put the queer section in the back because you, queers are very can... they're gonna pass a lot of other books they're very well read people so they want to have the most the most possible outlets for them to buy other things on their way to it certainly possible maybe that maybe it's all marketing yeah. maybe it should be a compliment <laughs> maybe who we're, knows we're so we're so valued and, we, and they know that we are smarter than the average bear that they're you know yeah right now, hey Okay, so there's a story in Say Please called Purge, which is um, by Maria C., who's a, an old friend of mine, um, that is all about, um, it's kind, it's a dominant uh, femme-ish narrator who, with a submissive um, who is doing a pretty extreme cocksucking scene where there's a whole lot of gagging and then vomiting. Mm. And it's really intense, and it's not something... I mean, I like cocksucking a lot. I would put that in my top three, probably. Uh, I don't even know what the other ones would be. Right. It might be all three. <laughs> right. um, but, um, uh, but like, and gagging, choking, a little bit. Yeah, I can go there. But the vomiting, that is pretty intense and extreme. And I don't know how I feel about that, really. But I read the story and I was like, oh, right. I like that. <laughs> I could totally go there. And it's not, I've heard other people say the same thing of like, that is so not what I like, but that story is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I love that about it. I love that about this particular story and about Maria's other stories too. She's very um, kinky, right. <laughs> dirty. And um, and they frequently have introduced me to something where I was like, oh, I, I never really thought that that's how it would be. But she gets so deep into the psychology and the relationship between the characters that it really brings something new out of it. Which sometimes in porn you can't see, right? Like you can see them loving each other or relating to each other or being starry-eyed or whatever, but you don't necessarily hear what's going on in their heads and how it's particularly lighting them up in a new way. And it's interesting too how erotica, even though if it's fiction seems more real than mm. than the fiction on porn. Yeah, that's true. It's really right like you can add these layers of 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 poetics mm-hmm. really onto the words and the word choices that it's much harder to add onto onto porn. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you add poetics onto porn, it ends up being like um what's her name? Maria Beatty, the like the black glove and the spanking. Oh, yeah, what's yeah. that one called? Um and she has a couple of other things, and they're lovely, but they're like film noir almost, mm-hmm. and you know, like a mm, fancy feathers and pearl necklaces. It becomes a little bit of class porn too mm-hmm. in that particular genre. But um, but that's kind of what we think of as poetic in in the porn world. I think is like yeah, it's like fancy, but it, <laughs> yeah. it's hard to get artsy too. Artsy yeah. too, yeah. It was hard to get poetry out of. Well, I don't know. Maybe that's not true. Also, she also has a porn called the Post-Apocalyptic Cowgirls or something like that, which is pretty poetic. And it's like very like they're like in the desert and it's very, you know, gritty. So how did you how did you end up choosing 28? That's really I think hard. It's fewer, and I think it's fewer than them. I think it was 20. 22 or 23 I should should know I can't remember exactly but um well so I divided all three 
all, all the stories and all the submissions that I got divided into three pieces. One was, was just yes, no, and maybe. And I, when I got to the yeses, I had almost enough. I had 18 or 19. I forget how many exactly. And I pulled the, my favorite maybes. So I went through the maybes and, uh, and are you judging it on how turned on you get? Are you judging it on, okay, this is not all about me. I've got to think of, I've got to balance it out. We've had, mm-hmm. sure, I've got five really good spanking ones, but I can only have two. You know, mm-hmm. what, is that, was that? I did go through, I had a very large spreadsheet with um, many of the, with all the yeses and most of the maybes that were um, being considered that had uh, the gender of the people who were in the story, the t- the like power dynamic that they had, you know, because and then the content and what kind of kinks were included, because I really wanted to have a variety as much as possible. I mean, it's it's not possible to have all the kink in yeah. one book, um, but I wanted to have a good solid representation of as much as I could, and you know, so there's a piercing scene and there's a piss play scene and there's the vomiting story and there's like varying threesomes, some of which are you know different than others and there's a face slapping story that Rachel Kramer Bustle contributed which is excellent and yeah. a lot of DS and um, a lot of daddy girl because that's kind of my thing and a lot of strap ons because that's also kind of my thing um, so I had this pretty elaborate spreadsheet and I moved them around and I tried to make a narrative arc out of them all and I um, and I did pull some based on like okay we really do need more of this and you know I did cut some based on well I, I really like this story but it there are too many other things that are similar in this That book. means you could do part two. Other parts. Right. Maybe so. Let's hope. Uh, even more. Mm-hmm. Say even please more. again. Say please again. Right. Well, I didn't hear you. Louder this right, time. Right, right, right. <laughs> I didn't hear you. <laughs> uh, um, when you're reading these, some of these stories, are, are you reading them like going, wow, I didn't know she was into this. Whoa. Mm. Are you just assuming that they're really into it or... Uh, most of the kinksters that I know who are the contributors to this book, I, I do have some knowledge about what their sex lives are or yeah. aren't and whether or not these are fantasy-based or not. And some of them are and some of them aren't. And I don't know how much I should reveal exactly <laughs> right. about that stuff because um, that's kind of their stories to reveal. But um, I I think for the most part, the folks who have contributed are young and they're involved in, you know, they're, they're in their 20s and 30s. Not all of them, but many of them are in their 20s and 30s and they're in experimenting and they're you know discovering new things to play with and you know involved in the kinky scenes in some way or another um and uh yeah i don't know i think that i think it's harder to write about things that you're not that interested in yeah and i think it's harder to depict characters you have to you have to be a much more skilled writer to depict characters that aren't you or people that you fucked or you know like composites of them or even or like ideal versions of them or whatever um i mean i, I know rachel kramer bustle for example has a story in take me there which is a trans and gender queer erotica anthology that um uh is a trans guy protagonist who is in a boxing ring and she's not a boxer nor is she a trans guy mm-hmm. and you know her story is actually wonderful right. um but it takes a skilled writer to pull that off for sure. The, and that's another thing about the erotica genre, just I think in general, is that the quality is um, very variable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and we have very low standards in reading erotica in, as a culture because there is a lot of really, really bad erotica out there that is very widely consumed. Take, for example, do you know where I'm going 50 with Shades this? of Grey? Fifty Shades of Fucking Grey. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up. I was going to ask you about this. I forgot to write mm-hmm. it down. Well, okay. So we'll t- do you want to go on a Fifty Shades of Grey tangent? Just only for like 
a small amount of time because we could probably spend an hour talking about it. But I, yeah, let's I, bring it I, up. So I listened to uh, the audiobook. Oh, okay. In my defense, and, and I'm very proud to say I downloaded it illegally. <laughs> I did not want to, because I heard a lot of bad things about it. But I was like, okay, whatever. You know, so I, I downloaded it and I started listening to it. And I was like, first of all, the woman who did the audio narration, great voice, great job of awesome. narrating it, right? Um, but wow. <laughs> it's Twilight. It's Twilight. It's Twilight. It's, but bad. Well, it's, I mean, Twilight's bad too. Well, I mean, I, I, just, I didn't mean to offend you. Maybe you like Twilight. I, I do not like Twilight. Okay, all right. But what's fascinating to me about both Twilight and Fifty Shades is that the the writing is bad. The, there's just there's just no getting around that. The writing is just bad. Um, but the content of it is clearly tapping into something huge because the it is a it is a very pervasive fam- a fantasy in this culture that we are eating up. But Twilight too, you mm-hmm. know, not just Fifty Shades. Although I think that that is also um, even even more of a fantasy life in a yeah in a kind of power romance novel kind of way. But um, I mean, someone told me that that book started as Twilight slash fiction. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, someone mentioned that to me. It was like a fan fiction. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's just so... Okay, there's a few things that bother me about it. (laughs) Number one, it's the old trope. Oh, yeah. Young, innocent girl. Corrupted. Billionaire. Lavish lifestyle. So much class porn. Rich, rich, rich. Money, money, money. Yeah. I'll just buy you a car. Right, yes. I'll just buy you a computer. I'll just buy you a Blackberry. Right, and she's like... But yeah, at the same, she begrudgingly accepts the car. Right, right. You know, oh, of course, it's on but, loan, I guess. Right, right, <laughs> right. Uh, so okay, it's so it's so okay. Listen, uh, I've I've fallen into uh, shows I shouldn't have, but it was so blatantly made for me, or you know, whatever. Sometimes I watch MSNBC. I know it's made for you know whatever. <laughs> so I'm guilty of of doing this. Too. But I think the thing that bothers me most is that it's so fucking popular. Oh, yeah. It's so popular. It's so popular. But the next question is, okay, here we have, maybe this is, maybe BDSM porn, maybe this is what some people need in order to get into it. Right. Maybe they'll... Maybe it's going to help the genre. Yeah. Maybe maybe it'll help the scene, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Maybe there'll be some people who are like, I had no idea I was into this, and I'm into this, now let me read it, and they'll go, oh my God, there's some real good stuff out there. That other stuff was nothing, right? right. Maybe they'll pick up your book, and they'll go like, that was, this is so much better. Um, Wouldn't that be great? Just everyone who has a copy of Fifty Shades should just buy a copy of Say Please. Right, right. It should just come bundled. Real. It should come bundled <laughs> should on Amazon. Be a bundle. You buy it on oh. Amazon, it should come with it. It's just so. But at the, No, I know what you're saying, and I, it really bugs me that it is what, you know, is representative of our community and representative of how DS works or kinky stuff works. Like, there's so many things wrong with how that is yeah. portrayed. And, um,. I mean, she's a virgin at 21. Like, not that you can't be a virgin. Yeah, be a virgin, whatever. But, like, your first sexual experiences are going to be with a dominant who tries to make you sign a contract before you can do anything. And, like, and then he's so irreparably damaged and, like, can't be touched. Like, we have all these hodgepodge of... Yeah. That she fixes. Of course, she fixes. She fixes fixes the guy. I haven't even listened to the rest of it. I know how it ends. I I, I, I haven't... I'm only about three quarters of the way through it, to be honest. Because I keep... I'll turn the page and I'm like, why am I turning the page? Do you skim through and just like, crap, crap, crap? Okay, let's see what... Because I found the same thing. I was listening to the audiobook and it's like, 
three different like hour long parts and I would skip them. I'm like, all right, this is skip forward. And it was just, and I, I was listening to the guy same. and I was criticized. I don't, I don't criticize someone's kink usually, but I'm listening to this guy. I'm like, this guy's a bad dom. I mean, he's just, he's a bad dom. Right. Bad dom. Bad dom. Bad dom. No, no biscuit. You should be ashamed. You know, that's what I'm <laughs> thinking. Like, but at the same time, is there, is this a case of there's no such thing as bad publicity for the scene or I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I picked it up because I'm an erotica writer and, um, uh, it's kind of my my genre, my industry, yeah. and it's the number one New York Times bestseller. Like if I was a fly fishing writer and there was a fly fishing thing that was number one, you know what I mean? Like I I feel like I owe it to myself to know what's up, especially yeah. because it's a like eight weeks now on the bestseller list or something crazy like that. Yeah. I mean, I probably to be honest, I probably would have picked it up even if I hadn't been publishing a lot of erotica because I sure. tend to read yeah. um, things with that kind of big of a splash in yeah. the scene. I worked in bookstores for about ten years and just like to keep up on on what's up in the popular culture. But I don't know. I mean, is it de- badly depicting us? Maybe there are probably people who are going to pick that up and be like, uh, "No, I'm never going to get involved with BDSM. I thought I was kinky, but this is freaky and fucked up." Yeah. And then there are probably other people who are going to be like, "Well." if it's on the New York Times bestseller list then clearly a lot of people are reading this and maybe I can read a little more you know or maybe I can do that Google search that I've been so afraid to do I mean I think I don't know I think Google has changed everything in that way the internet has changed everything in that way that like we can privately search for things on our telephones you know like we don't have to be that closeted and ashamed about those things as much there's still some closeting and there's all sorts of social pressure and whatever. Right, sure. I mean, um, two things about that. One is that ebook sales are soaring, right? Because you don't actually see the cover when you're writing, reading books on your commute. Mm-hmm. Not just commuters, probably, but like plenty of other places. And although I think the big cities and the people who, who use ebook readers on the on their commute are a big one. Um, and also, I was, I've been writing more and more about the kinky stuff that my girlfriend and I have been exploring, Kristen and I, and I just this morning got this kind of nasty comment about like, that's not love. And, you know, that's not feminist. And it seems really not kind even, you know, like if you're, if you're beating her (laughs) and, um, (laughs) you laugh, (laughs) (laughs) that's, Oh, it's not good. (laughs) I'm trying so hard to like be, take that seriously. Um, you know, if you're beating her, if you're, um, uh, Polly, you know, dating other people and she's not happy about that, then you must be doing this badly, you know? And she and I, that just happened this morning, this comment, the comment actually felt very sincere and fairly kind. Um, as far as come internet commenters go, it was coming from, they were saying it because they cared. I think so. I think so. I don't, I, um, I mean, I'm kind of, a little bit partly dismissive of that perspective, but I also recognize that how else is someone going to understand and learn what those things are if they don't ask those kind of questions. Yeah. It wasn't quite a direct question, but anyway, it was, uh, it's making me reflect a little bit about how I'm depicting these things. And, and if maybe I could do that a little more clearly, Mm -hmm. um, which in part led to that post today that Kristen put up that was, um, uh, her perspective on the polyamory. So yes, back to the good book. Well, the good book, the good book. <laughs> well, um, I could read a little bit from Purge if we want to cut that in there. Sure. Story. I don't know. This is this is the one w- written by your friend, uh, and it's about cocksucking. Mm-hmm. It's about um, vomiting. Yeah, I'll just read an excerpt. Um, she's a little. She was at the San Francisco reading, but she didn't read her own story. She was. She says she doesn't really like to read in public, but she did say that I could do it. So. Oh well. Wow. I feel okay about that. This is from the middle. 
I get up and I put on my harness. I fasten my cock inside it. While I'm wearing a condom, I tell you I'm going to sit on the chair, the one barely a foot away from the bathroom. You wait for me to sit before you bring over a pillow, place it in front of me, and get on your knees. I hand you the condom and tell you to put it on me. It's a banana condom. You hate banana condoms, and I pack them for just that reason. You'll suck on it, but you won't like it, nor me. I'm not asking you to like anything. With my mouth, you ask me. Yes, put it on with your mouth. You know I do not like it when you use your hands when you blow me. I want to be able to see how much of my cock is in your mouth at all times. When you begin, you are slow. You suck on my head. You lick it. You lick me from the shaft up. You pause to look up at my eyes. You've told me that the look on my face at this time is always the same. It always says, this is good for now. You swallow more and more of my cock. I keep my hands to myself. I want you warmed up before I start controlling your head movements. You insert my entire cock into your mouth on your own. I can see none of it when I look down at you. You are showing off for me and you start to gag in the process. I think it's time I offered my assistance. I place my hand over your head. I wait for the next time your lips touch the base of my dick and I hold you there. Just for a little while and then I let you go. I do this a few times and then I hold you for longer. I ignore your signs of discomfort. Your face is red, your eyes open wide or closed tight. I can hear your reflexes going into action. You place your hand on my cock along with your lips now. Your gag reflex is giving in. You are going to move soon or you are going to vomit on the floor, which is more than you signed up for. I let you go and I remain seated. You keep the bathroom door open because you have no time to close it. I listen to you vomit and then to the flush. You take a few moments to get yourself together and you crawl back to me. You wrap your lips around my cock again. I become more forceful. You are back at the toilet in no time. This time I follow you. It's time to strip away the dignity you kept when you were without an audience. This time, after you flush, you place your head on the toilet paper holder inches away from the toilet seat. I stand behind you. Something in you has changed. You are not returning to me as you did last time. You are not moving at all. Instead, you wait there for instruction. I can sense that you are no longer going to act without being explicitly told to. You have entered a place in submission where you cease to make any decision for yourself. You get what game we are playing now. This is not going to end until you fully surrender. Get back here. You're not done. I pull you back to me by your collar. You have never felt this light. I can't tell if it is your submission that makes you lighter or if it is a peak in my dominance that makes me stronger. I suspect it is a little of both that you push as I pull. But right now you let me take the credit, you let me feel powerful. There is always a moment that strikes like lightning when I am suddenly flying, when our engines have created winds strong enough to push us to our opposing sides of the dominant submissive scale. This is that moment. I look at you and I check in. Are you okay? I want to know before I bring this home. You look up at me and you nod. Bring it. Now if you were to tell me uh, before, if you were to say, "I'm going to come over," I'm going to come over during the interview, and I'm going to read a vomiting uh, story. I would have said, "You know, you don't have to do that." <laughs> I would have said, "No, no, you don't have to do." That. But holy fuck, I see what Isn't you mean. It's so good. That's incredible. It's so good. The fan on my laptop increased because the heat was getting. <laughs> I, I had always imagined before you read that story. I had always imagined if we were ever in a scene uh, where I would throw up. That would be the end of the scene, right? That would be the end of everything. But now, after hearing that, I think, well, maybe it wouldn't be. Maybe it would be best if it wasn't the end, you know? Uh-huh. Because, wow. So that's your friend who wrote that. Mm-hmm. Did you call up and say, like, whoa, 
Um, I, I think I actually read the story before. Um, I think that was one of the pieces that I asked for. Oh, wow. I think I, ca- I emailed her and said, are you submitting? And would you think about submitting that story? Cause I'd read it. I think I'd read it before. Um, and I really loved it. So, and I know, and she has other pieces about that. Uh, not about that, but about other things that I was like, I don't, I'm not into that. But then I was like, oh, I'm kind of into that. <laughs> so she's, she's doing some amazing work with her writing. Her skills just really, um, really gorgeous, I think. And I'm very happy to have it in there. And I've had a lot of people say that to me, like, you know, a vomit story, what? And, but they read it and they're like, wow. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to, you don't have to adopt it as a new fetish or something, but just having that moment of like, oh, that's a little different than maybe what I expected, I think is a really good um, thing that kinky writing does, you know? I didn't think that I would be into it, but this bottom is talking about how beautiful it is to be spanked and how much they like it and it feels like a massage. Oh, oh, I like massages. Maybe I should try that, you know? And also it, it lets you realize you could supplement vomit for anything else that might be somewhat yes. of a hard limit for someone or, or something right. that's a gray area for someone and just the vibe that's given out yeah. and how it they take something that might be scary or might be off-putting and turn it into something really hot mm-hmm. in the context of the yeah, been, um Yeah, the, you, add a, you add the DS in there and I can do a lot of things that maybe <laughs> I a lot of stuff couldn't that, usually do this I, the you know forcing someone to do something exerting that kind of control um, seeing the submission in that big way, um, feeling that power even grow even further of yeah. like you're losing your power and it's draining all into me and then I have even more and I can push you even farther. I love that. It's love amazing. That it's really great. Yeah. You uh, recently came out as Polly. Yeah, I kind of did. The, it was kind of... Um, <laughs> it was kind of like, a, oh, I'm kind of dating somebody. I guess I'm kind of... Yeah, I'm dating two people at once. I guess I'm kind of poly. It almost the identity kind of came after. You know, it wasn't. I've I've never really thought that I was a poly person. Um, I have frequently thought that I was kind of non-monogamous and could have sex with other people and be committed to in a relationship, and that that wouldn't threaten my relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, my girlfriend and I have been together three and a half years, and we um, have had various flings and experiences and fun whatevers um, with other people and. Uh, and you know that hasn't been that's been a really fun exploration it hasn't been anything about our relationship but mm-hmm. but navigating you know okay I want to see this person again and I want to see them by myself and I also maybe have feelings for them and you know all of those new things that were coming up and what does that mean for us what does that mean for our relationship that's been really hard I've been pretty protective of it I haven't been writing about it on my blog on Sugar Witch Chronicles very often mm-hmm. um, although I've been trying to do that more and more in part because actually putting words down in some sort of linear order to try to explain what's happening is really helpful not only for my process but for Kristen to yeah. see also Your girlfriend and for Kristen, yeah right? my girlfriend Kristen and for my boy now I think it's also interesting for him to see how I because I, I was when I was reading uh, Kristen you said it was just today I was reading today and she, was, she posted sort of a reply to someone who wrote, wrote a comment yeah it was that comment that said you know um, this is not very kind and mm. not very feminist, uh, that one that I mentioned before. And it, and so she and I were talking, and one of the things that we'd been talking about even before this comment happened today, we were just talking this week about, you know, maybe it's time for her to write something about mm-hmm. her perspective on this because I don't want it to, I don't want it to only come from me. And as much as I can say, you know, I have her consent and she likes it, it's different f- from her saying, I really like, I consent and I like it. Um, I think that, you know what I mean? Like, as it, like, 
the person in power and mm-hmm. the masculine person, both of those things in that relationship, um, give me a little bit of a double whammy of yeah. like, how do you really know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe you're imposing your I- ideas on her, whatever. And um, and so it was important for us to to have that expression. So she finished it today, and and I put it up pretty quickly because it was already in progress. It's really amazing, an, an amazing read. I was reading it too because I mean. Uh, we're monogamish. Yeah, sure. You know, usually if there's ever any other play, it's the other person's in the room, right? Right, and that's how we have been also for the yeah. last three years. And um, it's just, it's just uh, reading Kristen's perspective on it was really just like, oh wow, okay, this is really. I mean, it sounded healthy, right? Yeah, and. Well, and so part of what I've been writing about is how hard it's been for her and for me. And mm-hmm. we have, it's been very hard. It's been a, a hard six months. It's been a hard transition into having this be a more daily thing that like exists in our relationship, you know, to, to, to incorporate it into our coupleness, um, without having it be this third kind of side secret, you know, affair mm-hmm. on this, you know, how do we, how do we talk about it as a, as a unit? together instead of just having this thing that's kind of how did you overcome i mean six months that's i don't i don't know if i would say we have overcome i would also say in the last two weeks it's been significantly different um we it's it's just changing every time i see him he this person i'm dating lives on the west coast so like you know there's there are some intense weekends when i go out there and we have a couple days together or whatever and um and so every time I go, it shifts a little bit. And yeah. every time I come back, it shifts a little bit. And every time we have a conversation, it shifts a little bit. She also hasn't been very interested in playing with other people and has been kind of working through some of her own stuff around what that means and um, understanding it in a new way. Um, so that is part of what has shifted in the last two weeks is that she has found somebody that she's interested in playing with. And um, I mean, I, I don't want to give that all the weight, but yeah, yeah. that helped. And oh, sure. she went on a couple dates and, you know... Um, even though people didn't work out and wasn't like a good match in those ways, she was also like, Oh, I can date. Dating's not scary. I'm a good person. I'm good at dating, Mm -hmm. which is so true. And she's such a catch. Like it's, I'm not surprised that these are the conclusions that she's drawing Mm -hmm. and that it feels a little easier to be able to know that she's desirable and will have plenty of play if she wants it. In many poly, and and I'm not saying this is the case with you, just saying in many poly relationships, I, I know, um, it's not always both people are as gung-ho about it. Right. That um, occasionally, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, there's there's a, a married couple I know, and I think they started the poly thing kind of later. Uh, you know, they had the primary relationship, which is them. Yeah. And, and he's always had lots of different partners, lots of different play partners and stuff like that, and kind not really dating, but kind of dating. And... Um, as an outsider, and I could be completely wrong about this, but as an outsider, it always appeared that um, she, the wife, um, not resent isn't the right word, mm. but it was sort of like this. this Resolved is, to this is what I have to do. Yeah, this to is be what with I have to guy. deal. Yeah, this is what I have to deal with, and it was and it wasn't it wasn't a happy thing, right? Mm. And um, whenever she would go out on dates with people, it always felt like it was. A way of getting even more than a way of, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah, I do. Um, because yeah. I, I know if all of a sudden Saad came to me and said, I'm Polly, uh, I found someone, or whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, you don't know how you'd feel about that. Well, I, I know I'd be crushed, but on, <laughs> on, t- on top of that, though, even if, if I said, okay, well, then I've got to stay, I've got to stay with this person I love, 
um, I'd be like, I have to, I have to go find someone with a pulse to play with or something like that, so that I don't feel so alone, right? Mm. Um, and I, and that's, I've seen that in some other context as well. Is that? We've talked about that a lot, yeah. and it's, I, I, for one, I think that's not what's happening here, but, um, but there's an, there's this interesting idea that we've both had to really, uh, Kristen and I have both had to really wrap our brains around, which is that like that um, getting our needs met individually does not have to be even. So like that, I, you know, if I'm dating two people, she doesn't have to be dating two people. And, or if I fuck three people, she doesn't have to fuck three people. And like, there, it doesn't have to be a, a, a zero sum game yeah. of like evenness. And you have the same as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things, so I was at a non-monogamous workshop recently at IMSL at the international Miss Leather competition in mm-hmm. um, uh, San Francisco um, at that Andrea Zan and, uh, ran um, and she's got a great it's kind of based on one of her blog posts I'll send you the link you can put it in the show notes yeah, if you want um, that's uh, 10 rules for happy non-monogamy or something like that and one of the things that she was talking about was um, was about your vision for non-monogamy and that your visions don't have to be the same thing that like my vision might be having a, a full-time you know primary girlfriend that I live with and that I adore and that we like share our life together and then I have another you know person who is kind of a secondary that I see once-ish a month or once every two months or three months um and play with and have a, a frequent correspondence with but that um but that her vision might actually be having a different partner every weekend or mm. might be, you know, having multiple dates or having a couple of people that she frequently plays with when I'm out of town or, you know, we don't, we don't actually know what those visions are yet, to be mm. honest, that those might be possibilities, but I think we're still figuring those things out. And, and keeping in mind that it doesn't have to look exactly the same, that it can still be even, quote unquote, even or, you know, equal, um, even if it's not identical. It sounds like it's, it's uh, just... Figuring out what you, as an individual, right. what makes you happy, uh, and balancing your primary relationship with making sure that the other person is happy while you're still getting your needs met. Yes, it's totally. It's really complicated. It's really complicated, and you know how much it like she gets veto power. Mm-hmm. Um, but in what way, you know, does that need to happen? And in what ways can those things be bent? And in what ways, like, what are we? What is she trying to get at by mm-hmm. saying this is a rule that you can't break or whatever? It's there have been many, many endless conversations about all this in my yeah, household in sure. the last few months, and we're still figuring it all out. I am, I am, do not think that I'm an expert at poly at all, and I you're an expert have for your up. situation, though. I mean, which I'm is trying, yeah. I mean, everyone, not everyone, but most people right. who are poly when they when they find out after the relationship has started, have gone through this, or are going through this, or will go yeah, through what yeah. you're going through, right? So. Yeah, how do you find out what your needs are? How do you get them met? How do you keep your partnership safe and happy and uh, and built and strong? You know, I mean, sometimes it feels like we're really shaking the foundation, but but we're not. We're still we're still the same us. We still have the same foundation. We still have so many of the same shared values and same and shared visions for our future, which I think is really cool. And this goes back to I think how, and I'm I'm not stroking your ego here, but maybe a little, but. That's one thing I've always liked about your blog is it's it is honest and you're not. Yeah. And that's one thing. It's so nice to see. It's gonna sound like a, it's so nice to see people who aren't just showing just the awesome parts. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really really refreshing and it's and it's great to be able to to go to your blog and find honesty. Which of course Thank there's a, a link on 
this episode too that we can find it. But um, so I'm looking forward to reading on how everything progresses too. Thanks. And then, so maybe maybe you and Christian can come on and later and talk about talk about how it's, it's going. That would be fun. As if you haven't been talking about it enough. I'm sure you've been. I know. Well, hopefully in a few more months. Who knows when? Right? We'll have a few more solid answers and yeah. a few more guidelines that make sense for us. And you know. Uh, I don't expect the guidelines that we come up with for us to necessarily work for anybody else, but mm-hmm. I'm happy to be um, honest about how that works yeah. as much as possible and um, and put that forward as, as an idea or somewhere to start or or even somewhere something to completely reject if that is like you read those and you're like, whoa, that would not work for me at all. Okay, well, now you know that those things wouldn't work for you. But I think the most refreshing thing for me is so many times when I, I'll read poly blogs, listen to a poly podcast or whatever, um, it always sounds like roses. Mm, Not always, yeah. but there's a very rarely do they say, "Hey, listen, this is hard." Yeah, that's and true. and we're working on it, and that's so refreshing because sometimes I think a lot of people who can who can be going through this think, "Was there something wrong with me? This is yeah. supposed to be something open and something's supposed to be liberating, and it feels horrible or whatever." Yeah, it's tough, right? Um, right, and we've been talking a lot about you know this this feeling hard and and this and even this feeling horrible like this feels awful right now mm-hmm. you know this we've said that to each other many times in the last 6 months and sometimes that is like that is drawn uh, brought us to the question of well maybe should we not be doing this but we started talking about the um pain as you know like oh my god stop safe word pain versus ouch growing pains Mm. and I think a lot of it almost all of it maybe not 100% but almost all of it has been just about growing pains and about trying to grow into this new idea of what our relationship looks like and and this new way of loving each other that won't be shaken by anyone else yeah which is really uh really interesting and you know when we start talking about like loving or even fucking somebody else outside of your relationship we start there are so many old stories that come up, you know, like if you have eyes for someone else, then you can't actually love me that you gave me your heart. And now, now what are you doing with it? You know, like, or I gave you mine. Are you keeping it safe? Is it okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you know how we don't have the depiction and support from the culture in any way. We have hundreds of models of monogamous relationships, many of which are very failed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would be happy to have hundreds of models of polyamorous relationships, many of which are failed yeah, yeah. because it does, they don't always work. Yeah, of course. They, they certainly have the same um, pitfalls and people fall in love and freak out and can't handle their shit. And, it's not a right bond or you're getting in a, in a poly relationship for the perhaps the wrong reasons, like not because your primary bond is so strong, but because you want out. Yeah. I think that a lot of people enter it in the, into that, into it from that way. And that is not at all what we're doing, but it's taken some time to kind of really ask or ask ourselves both. Like, is that what we're doing? Do we, is, you know, you go to, in fact, that was a, a question that, that a uh, friend of the show, mistress crimson had, uh, when I, 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 she's got it. Like almost everyone I know who knows you, <laughs> has a crush on you, of some some sort. Um, no, that's, no comment. That's very sweet. Don't you? I mean, it makes me blush a little bit. <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean seriously. I mean, I, I, I don't know someone who either doesn't just completely adore you or 
blatantly has a crush on you. Well, I do. <laughs> I <know. laughs> in fact, my blog, my blog haters would have plenty of things to say. Right, about. But, but I mean, thank I'm, you. That's but they, very but they kind. Don't, but they've never met you, maybe. You know, Probably maybe not. that's that could be. So, no, I'm not. I'm not stroking <laughs> you. I don't say this to everybody on the show. I, actually, I do have that. I have a checklist of things to <laughs> say to everyone. No, but you do have a lot of admirers. How how do you say that? That that seems to be true. Yes. In fact, when I, I remember telling someone, and I'm not ashamed to say this, when I first uh, when I first met you, and I, we hang, I can't remember where we hung out or something like that. I remember like thinking a coffee like coffee shop. Remember that that time or before? It was like it was. Oh, I think it was. At, I think it was at Vivian's, maybe. Oh yeah, that's what it was. Vivian's, yeah, and you were t- doing the tie thing. I remember thinking to myself, mm. I. I've never thought, uh, I've never regretted having a penis before. You know? I'm like, God, you know what I'm saying? I kind of wish you were a dyke so you could fuck me. Is that what you're saying? Well, no. uh, Correction. I kind of wish I was a dyke so you could fuck me. You know? So I was like, don't, don't get, don't get your head out of it. No. But I was like, wow, I've got a, I've got a crush on, I mean, I, I, you know, it's true. And I know a lot of people who say the same thing and like, uh, so I texted this person before saying, you're coming, do you have any questions? And she's like, (gasps) You're going to ask me to ask a question for, um, so here's, here's, uh, here's the actual question okay. and we can, we can break these down. Uh, so I, I said, any questions burning in your brain for Sinclair? Here's her reply. This is friend of the show, Mr. Crimson. I, she said, it's okay to use her name. Okay. Quote, other than how can I get her to spank me? <laughs> I'd love to hear more about the retreat she's been doing. Also, what's it, what it's been like becoming a bit of a queer write, uh, sex, slash sex writing celebrity pros and, pros and cons. We did cover some of the pros and cons a little bit on that. But, but first off, let's cover her first one. Um, how, how do I get... How, do, how, 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 get how, how can I get her, her to spank me? Ask nicely. Ask nicely. I don't know. I don't... Uh, it makes me blush a lot. I would have, you know... I would have to think about that, um, and it probably would depend on our chemistry more than anything else. I can vouch; so. she's very, she's very charming. I totally believe you, and sometimes super charming, very hot people still you don't have much chemistry. No, I can't for, understand. You know? I understand. So, you're right. I, I don't, don't want to. I don't. You're right. I was kind of pushing a little bit there. <laughs> I don't know. I, um, I mean, I'm. You know, now that I'm out as Polly, fuck. Am I going to get, like, a lot of yeah, offers? You probably, yeah. Probably. Take a number. I haven't really thought about that. Now serving. <laughs> um, hmm. I don't know the answer to that. Do, so do people ever come up to you and say, hey, will you spank me? No, not like that, really, no. Uh, you would, you know, you'd be surprised. Maybe you wouldn't be surprised, being also a little bit of an out-celebrity blogger. A little bit. Come on. I'm no, I'm no sugar butch, but... <laughs> no, you're a masochist. <laughs> um... That uh, people don't actually approach me very much. It takes. It's. Um, I think it's still very hard for people to ask for what they want in general in this culture. Um, it's more true in the kinky world that people are more likely to say something, but mm-hmm. I don't get proposition that frequently. You're still blushing a little. I'm sure that that's true. Um, <laughs> so just ask nicely. Ask nicely, and you know we can negotiate. We can talk about what you might want and what that might look like. And I don't know. I don't know if I what I would say to that, but at least posing the question gives me the option to consider it. Whereas most of the time, I'm not consi- like scanning a room where I'm doing a reading or something. And be like, who would I like to spend? <laughs> you know, I, most of the time. Let's say, sake of argument, uh, uh, you're in Chicago. This recruit, or she comes here sometimes too. So let's say she's at a bar, and maybe you happen to be there. Maybe if she were to come up and say. Listen, I'm such a huge fan. I'm the one who asked that question about the spanking on the Massacast. Um, 
it's an open invitation. I won't be offended if you say no, but you know, I'm gonna walk away right now. And if you see my ass as something that you want, just uh, I mean, okay. <laughs> I'm giving if, you a lot of pressure. That's right not bad. Uh, that's a pretty good line. I, I would I would say, yeah, why don't you sit down and have a drink? Like, well, let's talk about it. Mutual friend? Yeah. We got a mutual friend. Axe is mutual friend. Ford, the, clearly. Uh, next one. The retreats you've been doing. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been, I've been traveling a lot. Um, and some of the retreats I've been doing are... Um, tantric and uh, embodiment based through the body electric school and some of the other things are just you know kinky sexy events Mm -hmm. of whatever sorts like imsel or like dark odyssey which is where we kind of started that conversation that was a camp uh, situation um but so i've been working with the body electric school for going on 12 years and um I am currently a coordinator for them, so I put on workshops uh, that are mostly three-day retreats. Sometimes they're residential, sometimes they are not residential. They're, you know, come and go just like a some hours on Friday and then all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And um, they've been really instrumental for my life. I, I would say that they are hugely the foundation of my adult sexuality in a, in a, I mean, in a, Huge, huge way that I don't—I don't even know how to. Def- For those people who aren't describe. as familiar, can you explain? Yeah, the body, body electric. electric. Well, the body electric school started in the '80s by a bunch of gay men who um, wanted ways to explore sensually in safe contexts through the AIDS crisis, and um, and wanted a place for their grieving and the um, bigness of the emotion. Um, around being touched and around sensuality and connecting to their own bodies. Mm -hmm. So it kind of started there. It also has greatly evolved. Uh, There's a women's programs that I've been involved with uh, for the last 12 years. And um, they're very small. The women's programs are kind of tiny compared to the men's programs. Um, Went to a staff retreat recently and some of the guys were like, wait, we have women's programming? I didn't even realize, you know? So it's a largely a gay men's organization. There's a small pocket of the women's. And um, as some of the women's, quote-unquote women, um, staff and uh, facilitators have been deepening over the last five-ish years, we've also been starting to talk about the need for trans and gender nonconforming and genderqueer folks to have a place in the body electric school. And where would they go if they were in... um, you know, in between or not in uh, firmly in a men's or a women's box. Sure. Um, and some of, you know, there are a couple of butches who are in- involved in the women's programs as staff. So, you know, what is it's it's not like the the gender nonconforming folks haven't been there. It's just hasn't been very blatant. Um, so one of the newest things that the body electric has been doing is um, a workshop we're calling outside the boxes uh, celebrating the queer body erotic and we did it in San Francisco in the fall and we're going to do it in New York in May it's May 18th and 20, 18th to 20th um, which is for trans and gender queer and queer folks anyone identifying with queer um, who wants to do this work in a queer context so that's very new and very exciting I feel like it's pretty boundary breaking there, there are not that many organizations nationally that are doing erotic embodiment work I mean, I could list them probably, and um, and almost none of them have gender queer, gender nonconforming, gender outlaw type of workshops. So, can you explain, like, when you say 
body embodiment, you said? Embodiment. Embodiment. Erotic embodiment. Erotic embodiment. Like, what is if that? I were to see a video of that, what would I... Or is that, is that completely... I'm trying to no. I'm trying to picture what goes on in my you know. Sure, it's it's hard to explain for a couple of reasons. Um, mostly, it's about breath and touch, and about sensing into what you want and receiving that in a very not uncomplicated way. Because it's not about like in in um, you know if if two people kind of have a lot of heat and they want to get together and play or fuck or whatever, it's kind of a give and take of like, you want this and I want this and we're going to do some of this and now I'm going to go here and whatever. But it's in this work, um, we all have a chance to only give and we all have a chance to just receive. And so, and when we're giving, it's about giving to the person on the table, usually on the massage table, exactly what it is that they are asking for. Um, and that can look like a whole ton of different things. And I've seen a huge array of, of desires from like very slow sensual touch to like beatings and, you know, slapping. And, you know, some people really like that kind of sensation mm-hmm. to like light, you know, finger, spider finger kind of things. And which I would hate cause it would be so tickly. Right. But, um, uh, but some people that's just exquisite. Um, so being able to like really get in touch with what the body is desiring and then to be able to offer that up uh, as a you know giver is really lovely and that really complicated. Really um, there's you know that's kind of that's a little bit of the um, beginning workshop. It's called celebrating the body erotic. Um, and there's a you know all women's and all men's a mixed gender like men and women's and then there's this queer one and. Um, and they offer the men's work very frequently. It's in many, many cities around the country. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but um, the women's ones are rare, more rare. It's only a couple a year. You also have uh, started, and maybe this is, you've been doing this for a while, getting into Tantra. Yeah. the It's partly from my base in the Body Electric School. And my teachers in the Body Electric School are um, also studying Tantra and have gone through a couple of different trainings and varying um, learnings that they have been bringing back and teaching more. So I went to an advanced retreat a couple of years ago that was all Tantra for five days in the New Mexico desert, which was amazing. Um, And we, uh, and they have started offering more Tantra teachings um, kind of a little more privately. So I've been involved in those learnings also. I'm, I'm very much a student of Tantra. I, um, there, you know, some of it I'm still kind of skeptical about, and some of it I just adore. It's such a practical life system in so many ways. You know, kind of when I say tantra, most people think, especially in the West right now, right? It's like sting in the ten-hour orgasm or something, right. right? Like it's not really. It's about like not coming or about like, I don't know, um, ecstasy in some intangible way. Mm-hmm. It is kind of about ecstasy, I think, but. Um, but it's hard to describe. I've always kind of imagined that, okay, maybe it's yoga sex, because I've done yoga, and I've kind of, and before, before I started doing yoga, I thought, you know, but then, I did, <laughs> then I'm like, oh, okay, there's something. Oh, I get okay, yoga. Okay, yeah. And so, yeah, is, there, it, is it sexy yoga? There's, sure, a kind of, there's some sexy yoga-ness. I like how nice you are. You're like, kind sure, of. dummy. You're like, <laughs> if that's no. what you need to. No, no, I think that's a, I think that, um, for people who have some experience of yoga and plenty of experience of sex, like that's a way to think about it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think that the thing that's missing from that though, is that Tantra is not only about sex. It's a whole life system. It's more of a philosophy or a, or even a psychology explaining things that 
um, things that we do and ways that we work in the world. Mm -hmm. So there's, there are principles of things like, you know, as within, so without. So, um, as something happens in my being, uh, so does it manifest in the world. So like in order to, for example, help heal the world, I should heal myself. You know, it's a kind of simple philosophic concept, but, um, very applicable to very many things. Um, one of the other things Tantra really strongly believes is the healing power of pleasure and the idea that pleasure can be very, um, deeply, satisfying and healing in our lives in ways that many other things can't necessarily heal in mm-hmm. those those old wounds. Uh, well, this has been awesome as always. And yeah. I'm sure there's there's even a couple people who hadn't heard of you before. Hard as it is to believe, there might be a couple more, and now you have more people who've got crushes on you. So <laughs> You're such a flatterer. No, it's true. I, <laughs> you have no idea how many times I will say, it'll just come up and I'm a name dropper. <laughs> I've said, you know, Sinclair said in that very time, they're like, oh, what? Okay, it's not that much, but, but, but there, there are gasps. There are gasps when people, there are, you, you get gasps, I'm just saying. That's adorable. Um, we've already got a plaque made uh, for every single time you've come over to the apartment. You do not. We've got a plaque. Lying. It's, it's Sinclair you know, sat right here. Right here, yeah. this cushion. With, for this, this, for this amount Sinclair's of time. This is Sinclair's butt. Uh, impression on the seat we molded it but if someone wants the book and it's only like 14 bucks for the the book yeah it's, it's even I think cheaper than that on Amazon it's you know 14.95 or something like that it's uh, yeah. say please say please lesbian BDSM erotica it's on Clea's Press and you can find it on Amazon you can search for me Sinclair Sexsmith I also just guest edited best lesbian erotica 2012 which is not quite as dirty um although it's still very dirty because it's me right. <laughs> um and it it's a it's another lovely collection um uh, i was really thrilled to be asked to, to you know, edit and, and this happens almost every time that uh, you're on the podcast we say well what are we going to talk about we kind of go through a couple of brief things and uh we never have any shortage of, of things and we so. didn't get yeah and we didn't get to half of it probably there's always next There's time. Always you, have more. To, you have to come back now. Yeah, that'll be great. Yeah. And maybe next time we'll bring Kristen and, yes. and have a longer poly discussion, or we can go back to that dominant question too. That's a great question. That's a good question. I still get, get I still get to tons dominate. of emails about it. People, you know, what I'm saying that. But thank you so much yeah. for doing this. Thanks for sitting with me. Ta-da! Ta-da! <laughs> thank you, Sinclair. It's oh, it's always a good time. Just listening to Sinclair's voice is just you know, better. Uh, Masterclass at gmail.com if you have a uh, suggestion, comment, uh, or anything. Of course, Masterclass.com is the website. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye-bye.